Pray with me if you would. Dear Heavenly Father, when we're in our right mind, that's what we want more than anything else. Nothing else but you. Lord, we've been given a reality check these last uh, few months of how desperate we are for you and what underdogs we really are. Lord, I pray that you would continue to overwhelm us with your presence, that you would give us perseverance, that you would give us a spirit that would not quit, a spirit of endurance, a spirit of perseverance, or that we would finish strong, or that we would not grow faint, that we would not let anxiety and worries win the day. Lord, that we would keep our eyes focused on you, the author and perfecter of the race that you've set before us, and that we would run the race to win. Lord, we thank you for your presence right here, right now, in every household and in this room. God, may your will be done in this time. Speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to welcome everybody who is here with us today. I also want to welcome everybody who is watching us via the internet and on TV. We're excited that you guys are with us as well. We are in the middle of a series called The Underdog. So let's go over to the big TV and I'll tell you a little bit about The Underdog. Before 1997... Indiana had a state basketball championship where it didn't matter the size of your school. Best five guys got on the court. Didn't matter if your school size was 30 or 3,000, and you played it out to the very end. There was no 6A, 5A, 4A, 3A kind of a thing. Whatever size school, you played. Well, you know where I'm going with this. One of the greatest underdog movies of all time, and if you haven't seen this movie, it's a sin. I'm certain of that. It's right there in Second Hesitations, Chapter 5. It's the movie Hoosiers, and it is phenomenal. And it's loosely based on the state title championship team from 1954. Now, you think the team's name was Hickory. It was actually Milan High School. Well, if you ever watched the movie, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert right now. But they win the state championship. But before they get to the state championship, they overcome all kinds of different obstacles. And then they finally get to the place where the state championship is going to be played. And it's in this huge arena. I mean, like 15,000-seat arena. And the coach is concerned because his kids haven't seen anything bigger than a barn. And so he's a little concerned that they're going to be intimidated. They're going to already feel defeat in their minds before they even play the game. And then the coach did something that was absolutely genius. Remember, he pulled out a tape measure. And he measured from the rim down to the floor. And then he measured from the floor under the rim all the way to the free throw line. And they turned to his kids on the team. And he said, I think, it's fine. I think you'll find it interesting that the exact same measurements are back in our home gym back at Hickory. Now, what did the coach do there? He gave his team perspective. And that's what I want to do for you today. I want to give you perspective. Because today we're talking about the ultimate Underdog, And you ready for who the ultimate underdog is? The ultimate underdog is you. You're the ultimate underdog. Did you know that when the Bible describes us, it describes us as sheep? And I don't know if you know this or not, but being described as a sheep is not a very flattering thing to be described as. I mean, a sheep is nothing more than a big ball of cotton with a couple of bony legs sticking out of it. Let me tell you a few things about sheep, my ultimate underdogs. First is this, is that... Sheep are dumb. 
that's not good for us, is it? I mean, that's not a very flattering thing to say right off the bat. If we're going to be just like sheep, well, sheep are dumb. Guess what? People are dumb, too. You ever seen a sheep trainer? You've never seen a sheep trainer before, have you? You never can teach a sheep to do anything. You can't teach them to roll over. In fact, if they do roll over, it's like that old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get back up, because a sheep will just go back and forth and back and forth. They can't get back up again. Let me tell you something else about sheep. The shepherd has to walk the entire field before he'll let his sheep eat on that field because the sheep is so dumb that it'll eat poisonous plants on the field as well. So the shepherd has to walk around, look for all the poisonous plants, pull all the poisonous plants up because that dumb little sheep right there is going to eat and kill himself with poison. Sound like anybody you might know? Let me give you another one. Sheep are not only dumb, but sheep are also defenseless. This isn't very fun, is it? Sheep don't have any claws. <laughs> they, they don't have any, any, any fangs. Uh, they, they don't have any kind of protective devices. They don't have a loud bark or a large call. Uh, you'll never go onto a, a property and see a sign where it says, beware, sheep. You'll never see that. That'll never happen. You'll never see another animal run away from a sheep. You'll never be walking by and go, look at that bear running away from the sheep. That's a bad sheep right there, I tell you what. You're never, you're never going to see that. They don't have any camouflage. They can't run very fast. They look like a middle-aged man running with his arms behind his back. That's what they look like right there. So they're worse off than a sitting duck because at least a duck can fly away. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are also dirty. Now, this is disgusting, but cats and dogs clean themselves, and birds jump into bird baths, and even bears get into rivers. But when a sheep gets dirty, it just stays dirty. And if it accidentally stumbles into a large body of water and they can't touch the ground, the wool on their body will drag them down and they will drown. You liking what God calls you so far? They're dumb, they're defenseless, they're dirty. And sheep are also wanderers. They wander over here and they wander over there. They're never, never satisfied, never content. They're always looking for that little blade of grass that they just can't get to. So they see that little blade of grass over there on the side of the mountain. They think, I like that blade of grass right there. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. And so they begin to wander away from the herd and they head up on the side of the mountain. Never mind all the blades of grass that are all around that they could enjoy. Oh, no, they don't want those blades of grass. They want that one blade of grass way over there. And sheep don't have very good coordination, so they get on the side of a mountain. They just roll themselves all the way down and they die. Sheep are also followers. Oh, they follow everything. They follow another sheep. You remember the story I told you a few months ago? It seems like during this whole pandemic, I've talked a lot about sheep, but I think it's important that we understand who we are and who he is. They, they just wonder. They follow other sheep. Remember that story happened in Turkey? True story. A bunch of shepherds were watching over their flock. It was a large flock, and one sheep got the bright idea to walk off the side of the cliff, and then another sheep did the same thing, and then another, and then another. If you look up the story, you'll find that 1,500 sheep walked off the side of the cliff. The good news is only 400 of the sheep died. The other 1,100 sheep that followed, well, they kind of fell on a, a nice soft wool comforter. And so they just kind of walked around. They interviewed the shepherds. You can look at the article and they asked them. They said, well, was it frustrating to see all your sheep just going one after the other? I mean, 1,500 sheep, that's a lot of sheep. Just one after the other after the other just going over. They said it was very frustrating. We tried to stop them. We tried to, we tried to do anything that we could, but they were bound and determined to follow the rest. And then the shepherd said this. He said, you would have thought one of the sheep would have said, this is a bad idea. 
but it never happened. Do you understand why God calls us sheep? I don't know if you know this or not, but we're not very smart, are we? You don't believe me, do you? Take a look. See why we're called sheep? We're just not very smart. There were two robbers, and they got caught robbing this bank. And so now it was time for their trial. True story. And so they're sitting there waiting their trial, and the prosecuting attorney calls the very first witness. He said, were you there the day that the bank was robbed? And the witness said, yes, I was. And he said, did you see two men rob the bank? And he said, yes, I did. He said, are those two men here? And before the witness could say yes, the two men raised their hand as... That's dumb right there, isn't it? There was a guy who went in, he, he robbed a convenience store. And he was drunk as a skunk, and he wanted to keep his habit going. So he grabbed a bunch of alcohol, and then he had a gun, and he pointed the gun at the clerk. And, and, he, and he, said, he said, give me all your money, or I'll call the police. <laughs> clerk began to chuckle under his breath. He said, what? He said, I said, well, I said, give me, give me all the money, or I'll call the police. And the clerk said, I bet you won't. And he said, you watch me, I will too. He said, I don't think you'll call the police. And sure enough, he handed him the phone, and the guy called the police. And the police came, and, and they arrested him. Now, you laugh at that. You're like, yeah, that's dumb. How many times did you continue the argument when you should have just shut up? How many times should you have been patient, and, and, and you weren't patient at all? How many times should you have not returned to the place that you knew you shouldn't have returned to or hung out with the people that you knew you should have hung around with or gone and done the things that you knew you were going to do? You, you see, we're just like sheep. We, we, we do these silly things. We just aren't very smart. And we're also defenseless. And I know this ticks a lot of people off. They're like, I'm not defenseless. I, I, I can tangle myself. I can take, my, take on somebody else that comes against me and my family. I'm not defenseless. You sure about that? I always get a kick out of people at the gym. You know, they're kind of strutting their stuff in front of those mirrors and kind of flexing their muscles, like lifting those weights and grunting and all that kind of stuff. I think, man, you think you're bad to the bone, don't you? Little virus took you out. You think you're big and you're bad? COVID-19 shut the whole world down. You're defenseless. And you can't stop death. And you can't stop sickness. And we're finding that we can't stop a virus. See, we're not very smart. We're not very strong and big and bad. And we're wanderers, aren't we? We get our mind on something and that's it. We just can't seem to get our mind off anything else. Never mind all the blades of grass that are around us, all the things that are, should satisfy us and bring about contentment. Oh, no, we want that one blade of grass over there on the side of the mountain, just out of our reach, just out of our sight. Oh, we like it. We love it. We want some more. 
of it. So what do we do? We think about it and 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 it occupies all of our thoughts and then we begin to imagine it and imagine it and imagine it. Then we desire it. It's all we think about. It just consumes us. So what do we do? We've thought about it. We've imagined it. We've desired it. So we just, we just do it. We wander away to a place we never should have been doing that which we never should have done. And we end up with massive regrets. That's what the Bible says. James chapter 1 verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires. Isn't that interesting? Which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Because the wages of sin is death. Death of a family, death of a career, death of your integrity, death of your future, death of your dreams. And we're followers too, aren't we? Let's go back over to the TV. This is going to be so much fun. Think about all the fads, just the dance fads that you have lived through so far in the course of your life. And in the 19... 70s, it was disco. Does anybody remember disco? Anybody, anybody a BG fan? Let me see. Play along at home. Play along in the room. Anybody a BG fan? That's the first step in getting help right there is admitting it. I appreciate that so very, very much. In the 1980s, here's what the fad was. It was the Urban Cowboy. Remember, remember Urban Cowboy? You, yeah, I'm not going to ask if you guys got the two-stepping and line dancing the Urban Cowboy. We were all riding bulls and things like that. And, and, and then it was... Uh, the Macarena right there. A friend of mine said to me the other day, she said, the Macarena's cool. No, it's not. It's not cool. It's never been cool. It's never going to be cool. Uh, then we had also in the 1990s, it was uh, Nirvana, right? And uh, smells like teen spirit, and everybody decided to smash each other in a smash pit or a mosh pit or whatever kind of pit you want to call that crazy thing. Uh, uh, did anybody mosh pit back in the day? Yeah, you got the scars to prove it, don't you? All right. And then, and then it was Gangnam style. And everybody was riding a horse, and we didn't know why. You know, we're all lassoing, and we don't understand. And we didn't even know what the guy was saying, you know. Everybody was doing that one. And then in the 2010s, everybody was twerking. Let me show you that. I'm not going to show that. And I'm not going to ask if you've done that. But, but then just a, a few years ago, it was the, lock me whip, lock me nene, lock me whip, whip, lock me nene. Now, I don't know what that, what that means and why you want me to watch you whip and why you, I don't even know what a nene is, but that's what people did back in. Here's what's funny. You're laughing at those because you've done every one of those dances, haven't you? You're like, I look forward to when weddings can come back with receptions and we could do all those dances in one night, right? That's what you're hoping for. Throw a little YMCA in there as well so you can show everybody you know how to spell. That'll be good right there. Yeah, that'll be nice. We're just followers. You're looking back at old pictures, your hairstyles, <laughs> your clothes. Remember parachute pants? Anybody remember parachute pants? <laughs> Zippers everywhere. I had a pair of parachute pants. Wore them one time. That was it. But I had to have them because I wanted to be like everybody else. Why do I want to be like everybody else? Because I want to be loved and I want to be accepted. And when you look back on your life, you followed the trends, you followed the fads, you followed your friends. Why? 
Because you wanted to be loved. You wanted to fit in. You wanted to be accepted. You didn't want to be on the outside looking in. So that's what we do. We run after this and we chase after that, all looking for meaning, all looking for acceptance, all looking for fulfillment. No wonder God looks at us and says, you're just sheep. You're dumb and defenseless and you're dirty and you wander to places you shouldn't go to and you follow everybody else off cliffs. You're the underdog. We need a shepherd. Now, here's the good news that I've brought for you today because I come to bring you perspective. You need the good shepherd to lead you. You need the good shepherd to guide you. And for those of us who have asked Jesus Christ to become the leader and forgiver of our life, that's exactly who we have. The question is, little lamb, are you following the good shepherd? Because he's not your ordinary shepherd, is it? One of the most beloved psalms is Psalm 23. And how does this psalm start? The Lord is my shepherd. You ever think about how that one plays out? It says, the Lord. Let's capitalize the word Lord. The Lord. Do we know what we're talking about here who wants to lead us and guide us? It is God Almighty. It is the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's the alpha and the omega. It's the beginning and the end. It's the first and it's the last. It's all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal thing. It's a close intimate loving him with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. In John chapter 10, there's this amazing passage of Scripture where Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the shepherd who loves his sheep, and he's talking about the thief that comes to steal his sheep away. And this is what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Philip Keller wrote a book called The Shepherd's Guide. and In the book, he talked about two ways that a shepherd would know his sheep. First off, he would have a distinguishing mark on every one of his little lambs that were out in his flock. So even at a far-off distance, he could see exactly what was going on, which sheep was his in the herd because of the distinguishing mark on its ears. The second thing that a shepherd would do with his sheep is he would sing to his sheep and talk to his sheep all the time. There's this neat passage of Scripture in Zephaniah chapter 3 where it talks about the Lord singing over us. Why? Because we're so anxious. How's your anxiety been since, I don't know, last March? Do you, do you remember last year? This is so funny. Last year when we were doing the Be Brave, we are talking about, this is what I'm going to be brave about. This is what I'm going to give God control over. And, and I said, I'm going to give God control over my anxiety. And then he gives us a pandemic. Thank you, Jesus, for that, right? <laughs> you have all these scenarios and all these worries and all these thoughts, and now the vaccine's coming out. And is it safe? Is it not safe? And you're reading every article, and you're seeing everything that's going on, and we listen to the governor, and we're masking up. And the Lord sings over you. Calm down, little lamb. He's still in control. He's still got this. And we will face this year one day at a time. Listening to his voice. His still, small voice that leads us 
and guides us. The shepherd, always with his flock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, always with a watchful eye upon them. He knew everything about his little lambs, and he knows everything about you. You see, it's personal with him. He knows about your hurt. He knows about your heartache. He knows about your victories. He knows about your defeats. He's counted every hair on your head. His thoughts of you outnumbered the grains of sand on the seashore. He's familiar with all your ways. When you get up and when you lie down and before a word is ever spoken, he knows what you're going to say. He came to show you a better way of doing life. He came to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. The Lord is my. And then it says, shepherd. What's a shepherd? A shepherd leads. A shepherd guides. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Oh, if we'll just allow him to. If we would just be still and know that he's God. If we would lean on him for wisdom and for strength. If we would steal away several moments throughout the day just to enjoy his presence. He could lead us into the best life possible no matter what our circumstances are. But we have to listen to his voice. So the question you might have is, is how do we do that? And how does God speak to us today? What's the primary way that God speaks to somebody? Does he speak to somebody through a booming voice? No, he's done that, but that's not his primary way of speaking to someone. Does he speak to someone by having his hand right on the wall like he did for Daniel? No, God's done that too, but I don't think you're going to go home and see any handwriting on the wall from God. You say, well, I know how he speaks to us primarily. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It's that still, small voice that kind of leads us and guides us and corrects us along the way. And there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us. But that's not the primary way it happens. You ready for the number one way God speaks to us? It's through the Bible. What, what do we call the Bible? We call the Bible the Word of God. A very wise person once said that God only shuts his mouth when we shut his word. When we shut the Bible. You say, I really want to know what God wants me to do, how he wants me to handle my life. I've got this fear. I've got this anxiety. I've got this worry. I've got this care. I've got this concern. I've got this decision. I don't know what to do. 99% of God's will is already written in the word of God. So little lamb, can I ask you a question, you little underdog? Are you leaning on the wisdom of God's word? Are you reading the Word of God? Are you memorizing the Word of God? Are you meditating upon the Word of God? Oh, it's a new year, isn't it? When a new year comes, New Year's resolutions. And so maybe your resolution was, I'm going to read the Word of God. I hope that was one of your resolutions. I hope you've downloaded the Sagebrush app. I hope you've opened up the little resource tab at the very bottom, and you say, you know what? I'm going to read at least the New Testament. And if you read the New Testament, guess what? It's not just monumental thing you got to do. It takes three minutes a day. My youngest daughter and myself have read the New Testament three times last year. Three minutes a day, that's all it takes. Three minutes a day for nine months. You spend six minutes a day in God's Word, it takes you four and a half months. You spend 12 minutes a day in the Word of God, it takes you less than that. I didn't want to figure it up because that was too much math <laughs> for me to figure that out. 
You say, I don't have time to read the Word of God. Then you're busier than God wants you to be. And here, here's what gets me. Some of you at home, some of you in this room, you've never read the Word of God. And so when you feel anxious and you feel worried and you're not certain what direction to go and you have a hard decision and you're not sure what God wants you to do, you don't have a clue how to find it. Your Bible's not marked up. You, you, don't, have a, you don't know anything about the Word of God. But man, you come faithfully. You tune in faithfully. You say you love the Lord, but you don't have a clue what God's Word has to say. And you want Him to lead you. You want Him to guide you. But you shut the book that He wants God to speak to you through. You see, maybe this would be the year that you would take this stuff seriously. Maybe this would be the year you would actually internalize the Word of God. You would memorize and meditate upon the Word of God. Because listen to me, friends. We need God's Word now more than ever before. God's Word is the true north. With all the lies that are being spread on every single day. God's Word is the true north of what He would desire and what He would will for our lives. Maybe this would be the year you get some accountability. Maybe this would be the year you finally get baptized. Pandemic or not, you get baptized. We baptized a bunch of people last week. Baptized everybody in a mask. You know you won't drown if you have a mask on. Isn't that something? <laughs> Going to hold your breath anyway, right? All the pastors had masks on. Nobody's gotten COVID from getting baptized. We throw chlorine in there. COVID can't live in the chlorine. But that's the excuse that you have. Unless this pandemic's over, then I'm going to get baptized. That's what I'm going to do. I'll be obedient then. Well, there's no place in Scripture where it says you have to wait for the COVID to go away. In fact, a lot, a lot of people do. This is so funny to me. A lot of people wait for the perfect time to do stuff, and they never do anything because there's never a perfect time. You see, how do you know what, what direction God wants you to go if you don't read his word? And how do you, how do you gain this peace that passes all understanding that everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be all right? If you're not in the word of God every single day. My daughter's third back surgery is coming up in just a couple of weeks. We were talking the other day, and she said, Dad, I need... I need us to go back over the anxiety passages of Scripture. I need God's peace. Well, the kid's pretty smart. She knows the only way she's going to find it is in the Word of God. She's not going to find the songs. She's not going to find the newspaper. She's not going to find it on the Internet. But she'll find it in the promises of God's holy Word. So, little lamb, here's the question I have for you today. You gonna take this stuff seriously this year? Because this is on you. Kind of parent you are, it's on you. Not on me for you, it's on you. Kind of spouse you are, it's on you. Where you're at spiritually, how close you've drawn to God, that's on you. And here's the really bummer thing is you're as close to God today as you've chosen to be. So you're where you're at today because you either took this stuff very seriously and you had this close, intimate relationship with God or you never really did and so you always feel a little bit of a distance between you and Him because you don't have time to spend with Him on a daily basis. The Lord, God Almighty, is my shepherd. And He'll lead me and He'll guide me if I'll just follow Him. If I just won't wander away. Now, for those of us who take this seriously, 2021 is going to be your best year yet. And I don't care what you face. Because you're never going to face it alone. He'll be your rod and your staff. He'll protect you. He'll comfort you. You're going to be fine. But let me tell you something, you little underdog lamb. If you don't take this stuff seriously, this is going to be the worst year of your life. You just don't have it within you. First Peter says, your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You have an enemy, he's a lion, and you're a little lamb. And he's waiting for you. And he loves it when we don't take church seriously. He loves it when we don't take the word of God seriously. We don't share our faith with somebody else. He loves it. Because we're playing right into his hand. I looked this up this past week on the internet. Did you know that a lion's favorite meal is lamb chops? Did you know that? Just made that up. That's not true. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. I didn't know lambs were all around where lions are. That's crazy. Back, back in biblical times, I think this is so cool. The, the, the shepherd would build a, a, a place, an encampment for his lambs at night. And he would gather all of his lambs. And yeah, he gathered them by his voice. He'd start singing. And he had different songs to get the lambs to do different things. And they would just start coming in. He had built this enclosure. It was pretty high up, so a lion or a tiger or a bear, oh my, couldn't get into it. But he had a door. Well, not really at an opening. And that's where the lambs would go in and out all day long. And then at night they'd go inside and then the door would be the shepherd. The shepherd would lay in the space of the door. It was the shepherd's way of saying, if you want to get to my little lambs, you've got to come through me first. You see, the shepherd was willing to lay his life down for his lambs. And our shepherd did. Didn't he? But during the day, there'd be a field. And if you were a smart little lamb, you would always stay within earshot of the song of the shepherd, of the voice of the shepherd. Because the lion, the tigers, the bears, oh my. Just be on the outskirts, waiting for one little lamb to wander away. That one little lamb that sees that one blade of grass that they just got to have. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. And then is a dumb Defenseless, dirty, wandering, follower little lamb. He'd head out, out of the care of the shepherd, and destruction would come. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, your enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy you, you underdog. Why are you an underdog when you've got a good shepherd? Because most little lambs like to wonder. Most little lambs don't stay close to the shepherd. Most little lambs don't take this stuff seriously. And if you've been alive for any amount of time on this earth, you know that that's true. And so Satan comes and he steals your dreams, he steals your hopes, he steals your family. He destroys everything you've ever built up. In the blink of an eye. So where should you be, little lamb? As close to the shepherd as you can.
And how do you get close to the shepherd? You get in a small group. You spend at least three minutes a day reading the Bible, praying. All day long, you walk with him and talk with him, and you do life together with him. You actually memorize scripture this year. And you lean on the word of God and on God himself like you never have before. Because you know that the safest place to be is next to your shepherd. Years ago, there was a guy named Paul, writes in a book about a time when you know, he was just a kid, about five, six years old, lived in West Texas. And I guess in West Texas, as we all know, uh, during the springtime, that's tornado season. Well, the sirens went off. The dad and the mom gathered their five kids, took them down to the basement, down to a bathtub, put the five kids into the bathtub with the mom. The dad stood by the window to look to see what was going on, and they put a mattress over the family in case any debris as he watched the funnel cloud go down and back up and down and back up, waiting to see if it was going to hit their farm or not. Paul said, I was five years old, scared to death, heard those sirens, saw the face of my mom, saw how scared my brothers and my sisters were. I peered around the corner of that mattress, and I saw my dad looking out over the horizon at that tornado coming our way. And instinctively, I knew that the safest place to be wasn't under that mattress, but it was next to my dad. Because I knew that my dad would never let anything ever hurt me. He said, I dove out of that bathtub, and I ran over to where my dad was, and I held on to him as tightly as I could, and he held on tightly to me. Because when you find yourself in the midst of the storm, the safest place to be is next to your dad. Oh, little lamb, the enemy is coming for you. Where's he going to find you? Hold on to that shepherd. He'll take him on. He's defeated him before, and he'll defeat him again. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we're not as big and bad as we think we are. We're not very smart. We're not very tough. This virus has proven that to us. We need you. We need a good shepherd to lead us and to guide us. And Lord, we've got to wise up and we've got to realize how dependent we really are on you. We've got to stop trying to muster up our own strength and our own courage and our own willpower to overcome the things that are in our life. Because we're not strong enough. We're not tough enough. And Lord, if anything this pandemic has taught us is our great need for you every moment of every day. So may we run to you like we've never run to you before. May we cling to you and hold on to you with every fiber of our strength. And may we feel your warm embrace carrying us through these difficult days. May we not lose hope. May we gain strength and holding on to you. You are our shepherd. We shall not want. You will take care of us. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that doesn't know you. Pray for anybody watching me on TV or on the internet right now doesn't have a relationship with you. They don't know what it is to have you be their shepherd. They've been facing this world in their own power and their own strength. I pray, God, they would come to their senses and they would run to you as fast as they can. God, I pray that would happen even in this moment right now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So if you're here today or you're watching me and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's not a close, intimate thing. You've never really taken this stuff seriously and you are absolutely struggling. You need to run over to the First Steps room if you're in this room. And you need to talk to one of our pastors who can help you have a real relationship with a real God who really does love you. And if you're watching me at home, if uh, you need to text me or call me at 505-922-9200. And I don't have a clue why you would delay. We need our good shepherd to lead us and guide us and comfort us. Can you hear him singing over you? 505-922-9200. In this room, do not delay. As soon as the praise team comes out, we sing the last song. As soon as they say amen, you're dismissed and you can go. You run over to that room or you can text us right there or call us 505-922-9200.